Welcome. Come in. Join me by the fire, won't you? Yes, have a seat in that comfy chair. I have many stories to share. Here, on the fear of the mind radio. <laughs> this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Spine Chillers. The Creaking Door. Manufacturers of State Express 3-5 Filter King cigarettes take pleasure in presenting The Creaking Door. after years of constant research by our master blenders and the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3-5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3-5 today. Paid by the police department, so I got time. 
Let's hear it again. Lieutenant, I don't want to. Go through it again, baby. You might even convince me. How'd you like that? But I know so little. I woke up in this girl's apartment. Hold it, Logan. How'd you get to the apartment? I told you. I don't know. It, it's all a blank. I wonder if a grand jury will believe you. Go on. Well, I woke up in this apartment. It was a nicely furnished place. I'd been sleeping in a chair. Been there before? Never. I swear it. You don't know how you got there. You've never been there before. But you were sleeping in a chair and Miss Hollister... Is that her name? You wouldn't know, would you? You only killed her. Oh, that's a lie. Okay, okay. Tell it nicely. I walked through the apartment and... Uh, well, I found her. She was lying on the bed. Well, when the doctor got there, she was on the floor. I explained. You know I explained Don't that. You know better than the move of that body. I didn't know she was dead, I tell you, but... She was lying there as if she was sleeping. And you've never seen her before, never been there before, Miss Dallas strangled while you were sleeping in a chair. She's wearing a nightdress, and she was strangled, Logan, strangled. And her name is Hollister? Marion Hollister, as if you didn't know. A rich girl with rich parents, and they have enough full of city hall to put you away for life just for being there. Want to change your story? I can't change it. That's the way it happened. What do you remember immediately before you found yourself in this apartment? The last I remember is getting off the subway train at City Central. Mm-hmm. And I was walking up the escalator and... Oh, oh so there was a girl. Oh, there was a girl, was there? You missed that bit out. Where was she? She seemed to be sick. She was leaning against the wall of the station just beyond the escalator and... I think I stopped and asked her if I could help. And you remember nothing more? No, not a thing. This is a highly likely story. Let me tell you, Logan, amnesia has been put forward as a defense in a score of murder cases in the city. It has succeeded twice. Most times with girls so pretty that they'd have got away with it if they'd been caught with a smoking gun in one hand. I can't help it. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. I'm going to put you back in a cell. Maybe you can remember a little more. Officer, take this man away. <laughs> my time in life, but I have a sneaking feeling this guy, Harry Logan, is telling the truth from the Hollister case. Uh, he just happened to get in his apartment where she was killed, and he can't remember a thing. He says he saw a girl in the subway. She was sick, or so he thinks. Oh, so he thinks. Yeah. How did he get to the apartment? How did he get in? Oh, we don't know yet. But there's something we do know. Logan's hands don't set the prints on the Hollister girl's neck. She was strangled by a much larger man. I tell you what, Carly. Hmm? If you can't tie this guy Logan with a kill, let him run for a while and we can find out how he goes. Have him followed. Uh, none of it makes sense. None of it. How did you get into that apartment? Well, maybe, Chief, if we follow him long enough to find out. Have you asked him to identify the body? No, but we'll do that before we turn him loose. Maybe we can learn something from his reaction. I'm here, Logan. Is, is this the morgue? That's not the art museum. Now, over here. Now, 
Did you ever see her before? Well, it, it, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I asked her if you'd ever seen her before. No, never. Not to my knowledge. Sure. Sure I can be. Lieutenant Crowley, this is like a nightmare. Okay, son, come upstairs to my office. I'm going to show you pictures of how she was when she was still alive. to say I don't. Was she the woman in the subway? I don't know. You know how it is. They're all darks and lights. I just don't know. Uh, don't worry, then. Maybe we'll discover something. You're in the clear, son. Just go on your way. What? Why, thanks. I, I don't understand what happened. I, I don't understand at all. It, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, me too, son. Maybe one of those cases nobody can ever explain. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Thank you for what you did for me that night in the subway. In, in the subway? Yeah. I fainted and you helped me. Who are you? The name doesn't matter. Uh, sit down. Have a drink. Not now, thank you. The hat's hiding your face. I don't recognize you. I'll take it off. Hey, is that better? But you're Marion Hollister. Why not? Why not? You're a sandwich, 80 cents. The, the girl here. Where did you go? What girl? I don't see no girl, Miss. Lieutenant Carly, I, I know you think I'm crazy, but this is on the level. I saw her. I spoke to her. Marion Hollister is being buried today. How did you identify her? father made the identification, but we checked her fingerprints are on record. She knocked a guy over with her car three years back. Got away with a rap, although I think she should have gone to jail. Now, just take it easy, son. But what happened then? Oh, you've been under a bad strain, boy. Been in jail, accused of murder. Well, you got a dream or a hallucination or something, that's all. Well, somebody was impersonating her. She was exactly like her photograph. Just take it easy, son. Uh, where was this bar you were at? Murphy's on the corner of Main and 60th. Oh, I can't see a girl like Marion Hollister going in a place like that. Now, we're busy on the case. I'll talk to the bartender later. Just you go home and relax. But it was her. I, I tell you, it was her. Uh, and if you aren't going to do anything about it, then I will. <laughs> I pay you or you raid the place. 
Your business is lousy. The most I could go is 50 bucks. Look, I want information. A guy named Logan was in here the other night. Yes, that's right. How'd you know his name's Logan? Wait, one of the reporters told me. One of the newsmen. You served in a beer at his table. It was a dame with him. I never saw a dame. You should. Sure, I should. Get your jacket, Mr. Jones. Take it away. Say, what is it? Ask for a question. Are you coming quietly or in two pieces? I'll come quiet. Cops. You can't win with cops. You're the crime editor of the banner? Yeah. I know your face. Ah, you're the guy that was picked up as a suspect in the Hollister case. Then you're released. I'm sorry. You were yesterday's dude. I want to know something about Marion Hollister. What kind of a woman she was. Hey, come in my office. Take your seat. Uh, you got anything to tell me we don't know? What kind of person was she, uh, the Hollister girl? Well, between you and me, strictly a hot rod. A poor little rich girl. Could you be more specific? Oh, I'd lose my job. Her dad owns half the city and half the newspaper. Now, look. She lived for the kicks, drink or drugs or anything else. It was all the same to sweet little Marion. She didn't look that kind of girl. Oh, so you didn't see her? Only her picture. She was arrested once for driving stinking drunk, and she killed a guy. Her old man even sprung on that one. She had a sweet face. No heart. Was there anywhere specific that she used to frequent? Fellini's gambling club on the east side. Duke Fellini was said to be her special boyfriend. But don't quote me. Say, what is it anyway? Well, it's only that I saw her ghost. I'll let you know if I hear anything. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5 today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5 today.
police club. Sure. Where, where's Celine? Not here. We're closed. Where does Celine live? How should I know? I'm a friend of his. Who cares? How much? Fifty bucks. I'll spring a ten spot. Hand it over. There. Now talk. Thirteen Wilshire Chamber. That's an unlucky number. Chambers. Come over quick. Fellini's dead. Okay, but in future you don't play cops and robbers, Logan. That's my job. How did he die? Shot about three days back. Know the guy? Of course not. You don't know anybody, do you? No. No, I don't know anybody. Beats me. No kidding. Oh, please, you identified her by a priest. You say you saw her. Or her ghost. And now they find Fellini dead. Hmm. Well, let's go down to the library. Check everything we've got on this barrel. There you are. This is the driving case, just like I said. Oh, here's an item, though. Have you found something? That's probably nothing. It's... Just an item about her personal maid being arrested for possessing drugs. Released. Released in the custody of Miss Hollister. And there's a note to say the maid appeared in court in a mink coat and crocodile shoes. Suppose the maid is posing as her. Now she's dead. Why should she do that? Well, how do I know? Have you got the, the maid's home address? Oh, for you, anything. Here it is. Seven Links Boulevard. That's Anne Konotsky in the stick. Thanks. Her name is Ellis, Mary Ellis. Well, thanks for the Fellini story. Let's know if you come across anything. All right. I owe you that much. Perhaps you've laid a ghost for me. I want to discover the whereabouts of Miss Mary Ellis. I understand she is about to inherit some money under Miss Hollis's will. Don't lie to me. Marion wouldn't have left Mary a red cent. Mary was fired long since. What is it, sir? No, not that. Is Mary Ellis here? You're looking at her. Come in. Thanks. Now then, what is it? You look rather like Marion Hollister, don't you? A bit. Where's the mink coat? Down to the pawn shop. What's it to you? Mary, who killed Carlo Fellini? Oh, is that rat dead? God wouldn't. I think Mary Hollister killed him. Don't you? And then she was killed herself by one of Fellini's gangsters. And you've been impersonating her for some reason. Now, why? Oh, go buy an egg. Would you rather tell me or the police? What's the difference? 
I don't know a thing about it. I got nothing to hide. I'm going home now. If you want me, my telephone number is channel 337. Make a note of it. I'll write it on the Hudson Well and forget it. That might be your hard luck. I live at the Harvey Hotel, room 61. That's in Mesha. I don't care if it's in the Bronx. Someday you may just care. Someday you may wake up dead the way Mary Hollister did. Now you just think about it. I'll give you two seconds consideration. Now beat it. Thanks. For nothing. You can see yourself out, but don't scratch the woodwork. <laughs> Logan here, room 61. That is Marion Hollister, Mr. Logan. Uh, I don't know what the shame is, honey, but Marion Hollister is dead. And I don't believe in ghosts. Don't you, honey? Perhaps you should. Whoever you are, what do you want? To talk to you. Come over to the apartment. Where are you found? Sure. Sure. And I'll bring the police with me. Oh, I wouldn't do that, darling, if I were you. Why not? But they wouldn't find anything there. Are you coming? Oh, okay. I'll be along. I'll leave the door, Mr. Lamb. I'll be seeing you. Police, give me Lieutenant Carly. Uh, hello, Carly. I just wanted to tell you that, that I've got a date with a dead woman. Oh, mister. Thanks. Anybody there? Where are you, Marion? <laughs> Where are you? I'm here, darling. Where? There I was before. No. Don't you like me? Same black English ate a bruise. Darling, I want you to forget me. Please. I can't rest while this goes on. Please let me sleep in peace. Come on, boy. Ah, where's the light switch? Ah, oh, here. Ah, ah. Ah, she, she was here. Ah, I tell you, she was here. Just like it was that night. She was here at... She was dead. Look, I don't know what this is all about, but I'm going to find out, Sergeant Wells. If it hurts this place, find out how that one escaped. I'll take you. Logan, if this is all a figment of your imagination, there'll be trouble. I'm warning you. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. Maybe I'm going mad. Now go back to your hotel, Logan. Keep off the streets. You may be in danger. I'm in danger. What's going on in my What are you doing here? Don't you like me? Even a little? You're real. You want a ghost? No. I'm not a ghost, Logan. I'm Marion Hollis. That's impossible, and you know it. I was Mary Ellis, 
too. See yourself out and don't scratch the paintwork. What the hell if that girl's fingerprints were checked? Oh, surely. But you see, I was on a drunken driving charge. My maid looks a lot like I do. That's why I told her she'd always get me an alibi. Well, I paid her well to stand in for me. It was her fingerprints they took, not mine. Then the, the real Mary Ellis was, was the dead girl in your apartment. That's right. My money comes from my dad. When I went to Fellini's place, Mary ain't seen around with me. I'd been forbidden to visit Fellini. Poor Carl. I killed him. I killed him with this gun. Put that thing away. I shot Carlo because he was through with me. All he ever wanted was money and more money. He called me names that night. Carlo has a brother. Carlo's brother had big hands. Poor Mary Ellis. She did look like me. Give yourself up. If you explain it... No, it won't help now. I was going home by subway and I suddenly felt stranger. After all, I just shot Carlo. You wanted to help me and that was all. But I couldn't let you give evidence later that you'd seen me. That would have placed me too near to Fellini's place. What happened to me? I asked you to take me home. Then I rang a certain doctor, I know. He just hypnotized you, that's all. Told you to forget and sleep. Logan, if I'd have gone into my bedroom, I'd have seen Mary Ellis. Dead. I didn't. Not till later. Then I couldn't move you, and I had to leave you there. And now? I tried to make you think I was my own ghost and shake you off the trail. I made up of Mary Ellis in case the police went to question her. They didn't. You turned up. But you didn't really believe in ghosts, did you? I began to at the end. How did you get out of the bedroom? Well, I just slipped past the police in the dark. Well, I decided to shoot myself, but the game isn't played out yet. It might be easier to shoot you. You're only making it harder for yourself. You know that. I don't think there's too much to you for shooting a rat like Fellini. Sorry, Logan. You were good to me. You liked me, Eden. But I'm rotten, and I always was, and I'm going to do the selfish thing to the end. Put it down! Yeah, I'm going to tell you, see, Logan's been close there ever since we let him out of here. Well, here goes nothing! Barbara, are you crazy? Hey, I don't think I'm going to go! She stopped me doing the only decent thing I ever tried in my whole life. I hate you. I hate everybody. It'll pass, Marion. Everything does. Things can get better for you. Believe me. of new smooth State Express 3.5 today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders and the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Smooth in world class. Get the taste 
of new smooth Head Express 35 today. of State Express 3-5 Filter King Cigarettes invite you to listen next Saturday at 9 o'clock when they will again present The Creaking Door. And now, stay tuned for the mystery program that is unique among all mystery programs. Because even when you know who's guilty, you always receive a startling surprise at the final curtain. In the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Famous Go Farther Gasoline invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story by The Whistler. For extra driving pleasure, the signal to look for is the yellow and black circle sign that identifies signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And for Sunday evening listening pleasure, the signal to listen for is this whistle that identifies the signal oil program, The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now the Whistler's strange story, Ticket to Murder. Standing at the window of the cheap hotel room and looking out over the outline of lights and neon that was Kansas City after sundown, Eve Benton felt a dread-pressing sense of loneliness, concern. That the condition would pass, she was certain. She'd managed before, she would manage again, some way. But she wasn't thinking of that now. Eve Benton was being sorry for herself, forgetting her good points. The quiet, restless beauty in her face. The sullen attractiveness of her features. She was annoyed at the city and the world. She raised the window as though voicing of her resentment. And she heard other words nearby. They came from the next room. Well, you know, you're thinking 30000 That's the deal. Mm, a lot of money. A lot of money. Not for the return of the pyramid necklace. 30000 No questions asked? Is that what the insurance company says? Yeah, that's what they say. 
You really got the Perriman necklace? That I got to see. <laughs> does this look like it? Yes, it does. You smile strangely, don't you, Eve? Listening in ironic amusement. 30,000, one of the men next door said. They're talking in thousands while you stand so close by, wondering where you'll get the money to pay your hotel bill. You start to close the window when the voices suddenly grow louder and raise in anger. You can't get away with this. I'll worry about that. You just worry about this. You freeze to the spot, don't you, Eve? Your outstretched hand touching the windowsill remains fixed, rigid like a statue, and then you hear someone climbing out onto the fire escape. A man is outlined with a staccato flashing of a neon sign on top of the building next door. He hesitates, glances back at the room he just left. You get a clear look at his face, and then he starts down the fire escape steps. You lean out, see the man drop to the ground and disappear into the shadows of the alley below. You wait, staring, then run out of your room into the hall. The door to the room next door is partially ajar. You run to it and glance inside. (gasps) A man... On the floor, lying very still. He's dead, isn't he, Eve? You're about to turn and run when your eyes fasten on the telephone. Hello? Hello? Bisk? Hello? Yes, what is it? Hello? Hello? Answer, please. Hello? You lower the phone, staring. Unable to speak because of something you see. Something near the dead man's hand. A wallet, isn't it, Eve? Yes, with part of the contents spilled out. A few bills and among them a train ticket. Something that you could use. Are we still connected? Yes. Yes, Eve. A train ticket for the West Coast, San Francisco. And almost $65 in currency. It's an answer to your problem, isn't it? You lose little time in packing, leaving your room by the same method as the man who fled only a few moments before. The fire escape. Later, as you settle safely back in the seat, the train begins to roll. You casually present the stolen ticket to the conductor. You've succeeded, haven't you, Eve? No questions asked. The train gathers speed, hurrying you away from Kansas City. You relax now, become aware of your surroundings, the other passengers. Notice the man opposite you, his face half obscured by a newspaper, and then... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I startle you? Oh, no. No, it's just that, that you look like someone I... I knew. Well, now I've got another reason to be sorry. That I'm not. Uh, you, uh, just get on the train? Kansas City, yes. Oh, it's an interesting place. Yes. Yes, it is. He smiles, doesn't he, Eve? He can even do that. This man who pretends to be so nonchalant, so much at ease. You wonder how he would feel if he knew that you had recognized him. That you were certain he was the man you saw fleeing from the hotel room next to yours. That you shared his grim secret of murder. Something wrong? Uh, What? The way you're staring at me. You said I'm not the guy you thought I was. Is there some other reason? No, no. No, there isn't anything. You want to read the paper? 
No, thank you. Oh, good. I'd rather talk anyway. Talk? Yes. We've some distance to travel together. There's no reason why we shouldn't become better acquainted. Is there? No. No, there isn't. No reason at all. Tonight's $20 signal gasoline book goes to Mrs. W.G. Reed of Long Beach, California for sending in this limerick. My car seemed to need overhauling. The gas it consumed was appalling. Then signal I tried, and now when I ride, I can pay for my gas without bawling. Signal, signal, signal gasoline. Our congratulations to Mrs. Reed for her very human way of describing the good mileage you enjoy with Signal, the famous go-farther gasoline. Too bad there wasn't room in her limerick to get poetic about all the benefits you notice when you switch to Signal. I mean Signal's snappy starting, Signal's peppy pickup, Signal's smooth, silent power. For it's a fact, mileage and performance go hand in hand. If you'd like to enjoy both, then the next time your gas tank gets thirsty, treat your car to the gasoline that's packed with go. Fill up with signal and go farther. You're unable to avoid the young man sitting across from you, aren't you, Eve? A man who's introduced himself as Frank Gilby. A man you're certain committed a murder in the hotel room next to yours in Kansas City. Later, he escorts you to the club car of the train, orders cocktails, and the two of you talk like old friends. As the train roars through the night heading west. You're careful to avoid mentioning the hotel, aren't you? Leave it to him to take the lead in the conversation. All you want to do is get the trip over with and leave the train. But by the time you reach Oakland and board the ferry boat that will take you to San Francisco, the young man has become quite persistent. Miss Benton. Miss Benton. Yeah? Oh. You know, I think you've been trying to avoid me, Miss Benton. Eve. Any reason? Wait. No, Mr. Gilby, I've told you. I was beginning to think I should take those... Magazine pads to heart. Oh, no, it, it's just that I've had things on my mind. I've been thinking about a job. Well, perhaps I can help you. I know a lot of people. No, I, I have something waiting for me in the city. Well, it was just a thought. In case it doesn't work out, I wish you'd give me your address. I'm not sure what it will be. Well, mine is uh, 4950 California Street. I've got a flat there. I don't believe I asked. No, you didn't. I'm forcing myself on you, Miss Fenton. You try too hard. Do I? Well, don't blame me. I'd, I'd really like to see you again. Perhaps you will. Like I said, maybe if that job doesn't work out... Yes, yes, I know. 4950 California Street. You want only to rid yourself of the persistent Mr. Gilby, don't you, Eve? Finally, once ashore and in a taxi cab, you feel he's no longer a worry. 
You register at a small hotel on Geary Street. Dismiss him from your thoughts. But late the following morning, as you're having breakfast in a small diner, you're listening to the radio, and something the news announcer says sets you to thinking about and Frank in again. local news, the Perryman jewelry case has reached a stalemate, with the valuables still unreturned. According to insurance investigator Leonard Quinn, a contact with an underworld character in Kansas City failed to take place. It has since been revealed that the insurance company has made a tentative offer of $30,000 with, as we understand, no questions asked for the return of the necklace to their representative, Mr. Quinn, or to the home of wealthy Mrs. Evans Perryman in Hillsborough. However... Well, well, I wanted to hear that. Huh? Oh, sorry, lady. The guy was just about through, though. Well, what was that name he mentioned? Mrs. Evans somebody? Uh, Perryman. Mrs. Evans Perryman. Lives down the peninsula. Perryman. I see. You acquainted with the lady? No. No. But I've heard of the name. Yes, the words of the newscaster set you to thinking, didn't they, Eve? Particularly the mention of $30,000. That was the figure you heard Frank Gilby mention in that Kansas City hotel room. And you remember the name Perryman, too. Strangely enough, after you've taken a cab to 4950 California Street, walked up the stairs to Frank Gilby's flat. As you're about to knock on the door, you hear the words again. Poor Quinn. Yeah. That, uh, that 30000 on the Perriman deal. You get me the money and you'll get the necklace back. Yes, that's right. Take a couple of days. The contact is out of town. Sure. All right, bye. Yeah. Oh, Eve, hello. Hello, Frank. Changed your mind, huh? Thought you'd look me up after all? Uh-huh. Well, how'd the job go? You all set? No, I, uh, I didn't go there. Well, maybe I can help on that, like I said. I'm sure you can. Well, come in, come in. Like I said, I'm sure you can help me, Frank. Well, anything at all. I'm glad you feel that way. Because I'm referring to the Perryman deal, the 30000 you are going to get from Leonard Quinn and the insurance company. What? Mm-hmm. The 30000 you wanted all for yourself. That's why you killed your partner back there in that Kansas City hotel, took the necklace I happened to be in the next room. I see. So you've got a new partner now, Frankie. Oh, have I? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't try anything if I were you. I've taken the necessary precautions. If something happens to me... The cops find out about that little accident in Kansas City and they come looking for me, right? Right. Well, well, well. <laughs> Looks like I'm right behind the eight ball. You don't have to stay there. If you uh, play it right... That means your way. My way. Hmm. Okay. Have you talked with Quinn? Um... No. Oh, now, now, Frankie. I think you have. <laughs> okay, so I talked with him. He thinks I'm, uh, I'm just a go-between. Naturally, you wouldn't tell you'd killed a man to get the necklace. Um, what sort of an arrangement have you made with him? He gives me the dough, and in a couple of days, uh, after I contact the guy with the necklace, I bring it back to him. That's all. Quinn trusts you that much? Oh, sure. I've handled deals like this before. Mr. Quinn. When is he going to 
Hell. Tonight. Oh, fine. Well, it, it's all settled, then. I'll meet you here after you've collected some quin. Uh, what time? I'll be back by nine. <laughs> we'll open a bottle of champagne to celebrate. I'll buy. Naturally, it's your party. I'll see you tonight, Frankie. At nine. <laughs> It was simple, wasn't it, Eve? Easier than you thought. And now you're in partnership with a murderer. A temporary partnership, you tell yourself, and it'll be worth it. $15,000. After it's over, you'll move on, start a new life. Yes, it was all so simple talking your way into that partnership. But as the day wears on, you begin to wonder about it. Perhaps it was too simple, Eve. You really hadn't expected Frank to accept your demand so readily. The more you think about it, the more certain you become that he'll bear watching. Early that evening, you hurry back to his flat. And as your cab turns into California Street, you see Frank board a cable car. Uh, driver. Yes, ma'am? Don't stop. I've changed my mind. I want you to stay close to that streetcar. Sure, sure. But not too close. Okay, I get it. At Montgomery Street, you watch Frank step into an office building. And sitting in the cab, you wait, keeping your eyes on the entrance. A quarter of an hour goes by, and then he comes out, walks back to the corner, hops onto a cable car as it starts the climb up the hill. Driver? Yeah, yeah, I know. The cable car. It ain't none of my business, lady. You're but quite I... right, driver. It's none of your business. <laughs> You follow Frank back to his flat. See him hurry inside. You're quite certain you know what he's up to, aren't you, Eve? But you want more time to think about it alone. So you tell your cab driver to keep going. Finally, you return to Frank's place. Well, hello. Sort of early, aren't you? I've changed my mind, Frank. I'd like to go with you when you get the money. Oh. Well, it's uh, been called off. Called off? Well, postponed is what I mean. Until tomorrow night. I just got a phone call from Quinn. Said he hadn't had time to get the money from his boss yet. Oh, I see. Mm. Uh, sit down, sweetheart. I was looking forward to that champagne. Well, no reason why we can't celebrate in advance. I was hoping you'd call me. Were you? Yeah, I thought we might have dinner together. North Beach, Fisherman's Wharf, maybe? Sounds interesting. What do you say? Oh, I've always wanted to see the top of the mark. Fine, fine. We'll start there. <laughs> All right. There's a nice little restaurant on Broadway I think you'll like. Best veal scallopini in town. <laughs> I'm sure I'll love it, whatever it is. Oh, Frank. Yeah? My gloves. I must have left them on the chair. Oh, sure. I'll get them. The moment he turns around, steps back into the room, you snap the automatic lock in his door so that it's unlocked. Now you won't need a key, will you, Eve? Then quickly you reach down and tear a hole in your stocking. In a moment, Frank returns. Here we are. Oh, thanks. All set? Oh, dear. What's the matter? Well, just look at that. A run in my stocking. Look at it. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's quite a run. Nicest one I've seen in a long time. <laughs> well, you won't mind stopping by my hotel for a minute, will you? It's only a block out of our way. Well, of course not. Let's go. At your hotel, you leave Frank waiting in the cab parked at the entrance. 
while you hurry inside the crowded lobby and ride on out through the door on the other side. You go back to Frank's place a block away, slip quietly into the apartment, find what you'd expected, an envelope containing $30,000 in his suitcase. You put the envelope in your purse. Well, Frank was going to double-cross you after all, wasn't he, Eve? Yes, you've proof of that now. You hurry back to your hotel and go quickly to your room. The whole thing has taken you less than five minutes. And now you put in a phone call to the railroad station. Check the trains leaving town and make your reservations. As you hang up the receiver... Yes? Yes, what... I got to wondering about you, sweetheart. Oh, Frank. Well, I'm sorry I took so long, but I... I had a long-distance phone call from my brother. What, Newsom home? Yes, and, and not too good, I'm afraid. Uh, my father's had another attack. I, I'm terribly worried. Well, that's too bad. Uh, Frank, about tonight. I don't feel much like celebrating. You understand. No, sure. I wouldn't be very good company. Oh, don't give it another thought, baby. We'll have dinner tomorrow night. All right. I- I'm really sorry. Oh, sure, sure. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> You watch from your hotel window and see Frank get into the cab and drive away. Quickly, you pack your things, check out of the hotel. It's two hours before your train leaves. Time to have dinner. But first, there's one thing you must do. You've made up your mind about that, haven't you, Eve? From the moment you found the $30,000 in Frank's flat, you step into a phone booth and call the police department. A murder sergeant at the Alden Hotel in Kansas City five days ago. The killer is here in town. What? Arranged a deal with Leonard Quinn, the insurance investigator. Anything to do with the Perryman necklace robbery? Everything. The party I'm talking about took the Perryman necklace from the man who was killed in Kansas City. Go ahead. Well, I suggest you contact Mr. Quinn. Get him to tell you who he'd made that deal with, and you'll have the killer. You give me your name, ma'am? No, I won't. Goodbye. Now you're settled comfortably on the train as it moves out of the station, rumbles through the outskirts of San Francisco. You lean back, close your eyes. It's been a trying day, hasn't it, Eve? And you're tired. As you listen to the rhythmic click of the wheels, you doze off. And then suddenly you're awake again. You're staring at the newspaper headlines in the hands of the man sitting opposite. Harriman Necklace Mystery Near Solution. Local police link obscure Kansas City murder victim with theft. A cold wave of fear sweeps over you. Then he lowers the paper. Hello, sweetheart. Frank. You surprised? The switchboard operator at your hotel couldn't resist a ten spot. I see. How stupid of me. Wasn't very smart of you to walk out with my 30 grand, either. Isn't that what you were going to do? You got me all wrong, honey. I was going to surprise you. Hmm. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> okay. So each of us tried to double-cross the other one. What do you say we call it even split the money between us? All right, Frank. We ought to try to get along, sweetheart. You have something on me, and I can make trouble for you if I want to. Can you? You're in this as much as I am now. I can always say that you helped me do that job in Kansas City. Our coincidental appearances would make it pretty hard for you to deny. Yes, I, I guess it would. 
So let's bury the hatchet, hmm? Why not? And after we get back to San Francisco, we can do the town together, baby. Have a lot of laughs. You know, I got a hunch this partnership's going to turn out okay. I was just thinking the same thing. We'll just forget the past. Think only of the future. Right. A bright future, sweetheart. For the two of us. Here's good news for you motorists who will be needing a new battery this winter. Did you know there's now a new, finer battery guaranteed to last up to two and a half times as long as ordinary batteries? It's the new Signal Deluxe battery, guaranteed for a full two and a half years on a service basis. This amazingly long life is due to microporous all-rubber separators, which have been called the greatest improvement in batteries in 20 years. But longer life is only part of the story. Because these improved-type separators hold twice as much acid solution between the plates, Signal Deluxe batteries deliver up to 35% more power. Yet this superior performance actually costs you less per month, which is really the only logical way to figure battery costs. What's more, right now Signal dealers are giving generous trade-in allowances for old batteries, plus liberal credit terms. No wonder drivers with an eye to economy as well as those who demand top quality, are both heading for signal service stations. They know that today's best battery buy is a quicker starting extra long life signal deluxe battery. It was a shock, wasn't it, Eve, to find Frank Gilby on the train after you thought you'd slipped away from him in San Francisco. You were certain you'd seen the last of him, and you'd have the $30,000 all to yourself. But then there he was, demanding his share. $30,000, Eve, a lot of money. And you made up your mind that Frank wasn't going to get any part of it regardless. In the morning, when the train pulls into Los Angeles, the $30,000 is still tucked away safely in your suitcase. And you're confident Frank Gilby will never bother you again. He'll never be able to involve you in the murder he committed in Kansas City. Yes, you're quite confident. Sure, aren't you, Eve? Even as the police board the train, step into your car, talk quietly to the other passengers. And then you find the lieutenant talking That's right. to you. That's right, Miss... Uh, uh, Benton. Miss Benton. He was sitting here opposite you, according to the conductor. Well, you say he fell off the train, Lieutenant? Oh, how horrible. Oh, he seemed like such a nice young man, too. You, uh, you didn't know him? Well, no, I'd never seen him before. We talked a little, of course, just <laughs> train conversation. Hi, you know. Hmm? Oh, it's you. <laughs> didn't waste any time getting down here, did you? Well, <laughs> we got to keep our readers up on what's happening in our little old world, you know. Come on, Lieutenant. I want this to hit the next edition. Uh, what's with this guy fell off the train? Where did it happen? Just out of San Luis Obispo. And he didn't fall. He was pushed. Uh-huh. Pushed? Why, what makes you think that, Lieutenant? Yeah, what's this all about? The San Francisco police got a tip last night. Phone call from a dame about a payoff. An insurance investigator was making a deal for the Paramount necklace with a party she said killed a man in Kansas City. Oh, another killing involved, huh? Mm-hmm. The insurance man was going to hand over 30 grand for the Perryman necklace. See, then you think the payoff was to be made here on the train? Yeah, Quinn completed the deal all right because when his body was found, the necklace was in his pocket. Quinn. That's right. The man who was pushed off the train. Leonard Quinn. Well, he... He told me he was 
Frank Gilby. Well, he probably wanted to keep his identity covered until he'd completed the deal. I see. If our tip is right, the killer pushed Quinn off the train so that there wouldn't be any witness. Now, wait a minute. You think the killer who pushed Quinn off the train was the Kansas City killer, too? Well, that's what the woman who tipped us off told us. Now, all we have to do is examine all the luggage in these cars and search the passengers. Ah, I get it. And if you find the 30 grand, you'll have... We'll have our killer. Uh Well, Miss Benton, I'm sorry to bother you. But as long as we're here, we might as well start with you. Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Sunday night at this same time. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Remember, if you would like the fun of having your friends hear a limerick of yours on The Whistler, the address to which to send it is the Signal Oil Company, Los Angeles, 55, California. All limericks become the property of the Signal Oil Company. Those selected for use on the Whistler will be chosen by our advertising representatives on the basis of humor, suitability, and originality. So, of course, they must be your own composition. Featured in tonight's story were Joan Banks and Frank Lovejoy. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen, with story by Joel Malone and Adrian John Doe, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Whistler is entirely fictional. All characters portrayed on The Whistler are also fictional. Any similarity of names or resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Remember, at this same time next Sunday, another strange tale by The Whistler. When you give to the community chest, you're helping not just one organization, but many worthy causes that directly benefit four out of every ten families. Think of that when you're deciding how much to give to the community chest. Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. philosopher so recently stated, nice guys finish last. True, perhaps, but there are also some last guys who finish nice, or should we say nicely. Our mystery drama, The Secret Chamber, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Ian Martin. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One.
are those people who flatly refuse to recognize the existence of ghosts. But, as Mark Twain once said, those are the people who never saw one or heard one. There is something about the sight of a ghost, the sound of a ghost on a dark night in a deserted house that will dissolve the doubts of the most skeptical and make fervent converts of the most cynical. After all, seeing is believing, isn't it? Well, why don't we discuss this matter with a man who's more or less an authority on the subject? Tattersall's the name. Thomas Tatum Tattersall. Though just plain Tommy suits me fine. Been a real estate agent all my life, though. Nowadays we have a fancy name for it. Realtor. So, you say you're in the market for final colonial, huh? Dating back to the revolutionary period. Well, I got just the thing. A real beauty. The Hargraves house. Oh, you know about that one, huh? You hear it's haunted. <laughs> Would I sell you a haunted house? Well, the uh, fact of the matter is it used to be haunted, but no more. Can I uh, guarantee that? Well, I suppose I just tell you the story. No extra charge, and you can decide for yourself, huh? <laughs> is that fair enough? <laughs> well, now, you uh, you got to go back a ways to the war. Well, I guess you'd call it the First World War. I didn't get to go myself. I was just a shade too young. I was also just a shade too young for... For a beautiful girl named Felicity Hargraves. Anyhow, she was in love with uh, Lieutenant Bobby Lightfoot, who was fighting in France with the Rainbow Division. Well, one morning, Felicity's mother asked me to drop over to the house. Thomas, you have to help me. Oh, how, Miss Hargraves? Bobby. Bobby Lightfoot is dead. Bobby Lightfoot? Yes, but he just Felicity was notified. Bobby fell at a place called Chateau Terry. Oh, gee, I, I... I feel so bad for Felicity. Yes, Felicity. Thomas, I'm frightened. You see, when Felicity found out she was standing right here in this room, she didn't say one word. Not a solitary tear ran down her cheek. She stood silent for at least five full minutes. And then she turned around and went upstairs to her room. And and she said nothing at all? That was three days ago. She still won't say one word. She won't touch a bite of food. Nor sip a single swallow of water. Oh, oh, what do you suppose I could do? Oh, I'm at my wit's end. Oh, only her father, the judge, was alive. And her uncle Dumont's off in the Navy. Thomas... Could you talk to her? Oh, Miss Hargis, what could I say to She was always fond of you, Thomas. Oh, yes, ma'am, but... She cannot keep sitting in that room forever. What am I going to do? Ma'am, I sure wish I knew. Oh, if you'd been a little older, perhaps she might have fallen in love with you instead of Bobby Lightfoot. That's why you've got to help her. Oh, I wanted to help, ma'am, but... Just don't know how. Just talk to her. Talk to her. That might be enough. Talk to her. Felicity? Uh, it's me, Tommy. Tommy Tattersall? Felicity? Yes. I know. Tommy. Gee, I. 
I'm sorry about Bobby. Bobby? Who? Who's Bobby? Bobby Lightfoot. I don't know anyone named Bobby. Oh. Well, um, uh, would you like to go for a walk? No, Tommy. Oh, but you've been cooped up in your room so long. Been... I want to stay here. It's such a lovely room, isn't it? Well, yes, but... The house is such a magnificent house. I was born here. Did you know that? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was I... my dad and his dad before him. I never want to leave this house. Oh, Felicity, why not? Because there's death outside. Death? Death. Lying in wait everywhere. Death. Now I remember. Bobby. My own Bobby Lightfoot. Didn't I plead with him? Don't go, Bobby. Don't leave. Death is waiting there outside. But he didn't listen. My Bobby didn't listen. But I won't leave this house. I won't go out there. Out where death is waiting. Oh, no, look, Felicity, I, I, could, could I tell I'm you something? safe here. These rooms, these walls, these floors and ceilings, they all know me. They all love me. Look through the windows. Look out on the street and see how bright and how clear and how lovely everything this is. This house, this shelter, and protects me. I'll never and leave. Just the street, you see my dad's office, you see? I don't want to look out on the street. Look, start I'm tomorrow. Afraid. I go to work there. Why don't you come by early in the day and just, just uh, you know, say hello I, to I, me? I, no, I, uh, uh, you can trust me, Felicity. I wouldn't let anything bad happen to you. Just saying hello to me at the office tomorrow. Take a take a walk over. Well, it'll have to be a very short walk. I'm so afraid to be outside. There's so much death. And that's how it all began. Every morning she'd come by, say hello, and then she'd rush right back home. Poor Felicity. I was the only one she ever talked to. And what did we talk about? Death. Good morning, Tommy. Morning, Felicity. How do you feel this morning? I... I don't feel well. I did a terrible thing. Oh, not you, Felicity. Yes, I, I, I did. I... I stepped on an ant... Oh. I saw him. Him? I I should have waited till he'd gone by, and I did stop. But then so did he, and I thought he was just going to stay there, and it would be safe for me to... And then I... I, Just as I stepped forward, so did he, and and, and my my foot... (laughs) It was too late. I'm sorry, Felicity. I'm, I'm... I'm really, truly sorry. An ant is a living thing. It's one of God's creatures. It wasn't your fault. Part of God's oh, plan. So that he won't be held against you. You mean that, Tommy? Of course, honey. You're not just saying it to make me feel better. Would I lie to you? And I'll, I'll be forgiven someday? Oh. You've been forgiven already. Felicity Hargraves. Once the loveliest, liveliest young lady in the county. As time went on, she got no better. I guess you could say she got even worse. So the years went by. She was so tall, so beautiful, and I was so much in love with her. But nothing could ever come of that. 
one, one night I got a call from Mrs. Hawkins. And seeing her was a shock. I mean, she'd been such a sturdy, well-built, strong woman, Felicity's mother. And here now, all of a sudden, it was... It was like as if she'd shrunk to almost nothing. Uh, Tony. Oh, Mrs. Hargrave. Yes. Oh, you don't know what to make of me. I can't understand it myself. It happened almost overnight. But what's wrong? I... I, I'm dying. And Felicity is going to need a friend more than ever. Well, she's always got a friend in me. Her uncle, Dumont, will take care of her financial affairs. Dumont? Yes. The judge has him named executor of the estate when I die. Oh. I... I know he'll pay her bills and see that she always has this house. But... Tommy, he won't have time for her. Felicity will need someone to talk to. Someone who will worry about her. Promise me, Tommy. Promise. Less than a month later, that fine lady was dead. And Dumont Hargraves took active charge of the family money. <laughs> Maybe what happens next is a story you might have heard before. Why not? Don't it occur all the time? There was all kinds of talk in town that Dumont was running through all the assets, that he was making unwise investments, that he was gambling and, of course, losing heavy. Well, none of this could be proved. But one day, Dumont came into the office... Morning, Tommy. I'd like to throw a little bit of business your way. Oh, yes? Oh, that yes. You ever see a bird look at a snake? Well, Dumont, watching you, I now see how a snake looks at a bird. You don't like me, Tommy. That's true. You think I'm robbing Felicity of her inheritance? Well, you are, aren't you? Well, it looks that way, I admit. Tommy, it's not my fault. Yeah? <laughs> so what's this business you want to throw my way First, I wanted you to understand that I didn't ask for the job of executive. All right, Dumont, get to it. Well, I, uh, I, I had to sell the house. The house? The old Hargraves homestead. But you can't sell a house. Why not? Well, because Felicity. Well, what about Felicity? Well, where will she live? Where? Where she belongs. In the sanitarium. How can you say that? Well, it's true. How can she live all by herself in that big old house? She manages very nicely. Tom, I'm her uncle. I love her. I want to do what's best for her. Felicity simply is not right in the head. Dumont, don't you say that. Oh, poor Tom. You had a crush on her all your life. And then when Bobby Lightfoot got killed, you might have had a chance, but she went crazy. I tell you, don't use that word. Can you suggest another one that describes the situation more accurately? Look, Dumont, the, the, the house, it, it, it means so much to her. It's all she has in the world. It's all I have in the world, too. What do you mean? There's nothing left but the house. Nothing How can that be? Oh, I don't know, Tommy. Here and there, this and that. It all adds up to, to nothing. Dumont, I won't let you sell that house. 
I'll go to court. I'll have you declared unfit to continue as executor. Sure. And you'd probably even win. But it's too late. Everything else is gone. The court would have to sell the house in any event to satisfy the debts. I'm sorry, Tommy. Somebody has to tell her. Tell her what? That she has to leave the house. Oh, sure. That's right. Somebody does. Somebody has to break her heart, destroy her spirit, and turn her whole world into ashes and ruins, and you know who that somebody is going to be, Dumont? You, Tommy, you... Oh, no, this is all you're doing. You're going to tell her. Justice demands it. If I tell her, it'll kill her. But, but if you tell her, well, you can put it in such a way that she'll believe you. She'll actually think it's all for the best. people who are always pulling chestnuts out of the fire. Somebody else's chestnuts, we might add. Why do they do it? What makes the Tommy Tattersalls of this world tick? Since there's a little bit of Tommy in so many of us, perhaps even in you, why not ponder the problem for a few moments until I return shortly with Act Two? Someone said once that a house is not necessarily a home. That may not be true, but what can hardly be in dispute is the fact that a home has to be a house of some kind, anyhow. It has to have form and structure. It must protect and shelter. It must be fortress and sanctuary. Felicity Hargraves is about to be evicted. But I... I... I can't leave here, Tommy. I can't. I know it's difficult, Felicity. Oh, it's much more than difficult, Tom. It's impossible. Look, Felicity, just quit. I'll die. No. Oh, yes. There's death outside. You know that. I'm not safe anywhere else, Tommy. You'll be safe with me, Felicity. I spoke it over with my mother. You'll stay at our house for a while. No, I want to stay at my house. Well, mother's alone all day, and you'll, you'll be such good company for each other. You always liked my mother, didn't you? Yes, Tommy, very much. I have a wonderful idea. Let her come and stay with me at my house. But Felicity, she... Please, won't you try to understand? Understand what? That it isn't your house anymore. How can it not be my house? It's got to be sold. Part of me. According to the law. Every part of this house is a part of me, Tommy. It knows me. It sheltered me. It kept me warm. It kept me dry. It kept me safe. No, I, no, Tommy. You know what? I, I'm no, Charles, to... could I sell part of myself? Could I sell my heart? But... Could I, Tommy? Yes, I could. But I'd die. Felicity, I only want to help you. Now, now you know that, and you believe me. Soon the you? war in France will be over, and Bobby will be back. And if I'm not here, he won't know where to look for me. Well, I, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for Bobby, and, and if he comes along, I'll... Oh, I'll... no, don't say if. When? Well, when he comes, I'll bring him to you. Come on, Felicity, you... You come with me. Now? It'd be best. Huh? Tommy, please, let me just stay here one more night, please. Let me stay here tonight and, and say goodbye to the house. And then in the morning, I, I, I'll go away with you, please. All right, Felicity. I'll come by for you. Early in the morning. Maybe I shouldn't let her stay, but how could I refuse her? 
Besides, what could happen? Well, a great deal happened. I came by for her in the morning, and she was gone. Felicity? Felicity? Where are you? Felicity! Sheriff, it's uh, uh, Tommy Tattersall. Yeah, it's Felicity Hargrave. She's gone. Yes, sir, that's what I mean. She disappeared. Well, well I, I'm here now. Yeah, I searched the house from top to bottom. There's not a sign of her. I don't know where she went. Where could she go? Where could she go? Well, there was all kinds of talk. Foul play. Or maybe she might have just wandered off into the woods and beyond them, down into the swamp. If she'd gone and done that, then she'd be lost forever. Well, that's what I told people. Because I realized what Felicity had been trying to tell me. That if she had to leave that house, she'd kill herself. That's what all the talk about death and the monitor. And I felt it was my fault. Why had I let her stay that final night? Why had I left her alone? Well, as you might imagine, the disappearance of Felicity Hargraves was a sensation. But like all such sensations, it only lasted a while. We had the elections and the circus come to town and one thing and another. And gradually, Felicity Hargraves was forgotten by almost everyone. Except me. Tommy, you've got to help me out. Yeah, that's where I'd like to help you, Dumont. Right out the door. Now, don't be angry, Tommy. It goes against your better nature. I'm in trouble. Well, I'm glad to hear it. No, you're not. You're a very kind-hearted person. I still have to sell that house. I'm not stopping. Don't you hear what's being said around town? The house is haunted. It's impossible for a house to be haunted. Oh, I don't know about that. The way it started was I advertised in the Philadelphia and New York papers. Now, I admit I was trying to save your broker's commission. I admit that. Well, these folks came down and I took them into the house and they just loved it. I almost had a deal. And then we heard it. Heard what? The ghost. What do you mean, ghost? How could you hear it? Oh, was moaning and crying. Dumont, it's impossible. There were three of us. This man, his wife, and myself. All three of us. We heard it. I still say it's impossible. Instead of standing there and saying impossible, why don't you go and hear it for yourself? All right, Dumont. Where's your ghost? I tell you, we heard it. I tell you what you heard. You heard the voice of your guilty conscience. You robbed a troubled girl out of everything she owned in this world. Believe me, Tommy, it wasn't intentional. Well, it comes to the same thing. Money meant nothing to her, but then you took away the one thing she couldn't live without, this house. Oh, please, Tommy. Now go ahead and suffer because you deserve it. Tommy, my conscience is one thing, but a ghost is something else. There is a ghost. It's the ghost of Felicity Hargraves. Felicity's dead. She... <laughs> Listen, what? Listen, Tommy. What? Oh, oh my God. God. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? <laughs> you hear that, Tommy? It's not your imagination. It's not the terror on my face. Close your eyes. Don't you hear it? There. Tommy, there. Is it my imagination? 
It was a ghost. It was just the way a ghostly voice was supposed to sound. So I'd been wrong all my life. There was such a thing as a ghost. And this was the ghost of Felicity Hargrave. She'd come home. I believed. Do something, Tommy. Do something. Do what? Tell her to stop. How can I tell her? She, she always liked you, Tommy. That's a fact. No, 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 no. Explain to her. What, you're crazy. Please, Tommy, I have to sell this house. All right, all right. Felicity? It's me, Tommy. Felicity, are you here? Did you hear that? Here. Stop doing Felicity, you shouldn't be here. You only scare folks. Felicity, I, uh, I, uh, oh, will you forget it, Dumont? It's Felicity's house. It's Felicity's house. Her house, dead or alive, and if she wants to live in it, I say more power to her. It was no longer the Hargraves' house. It had now become the haunted house. No one would go near it. Well, one day, Dumont came into the office, and with him was a woman, a tall woman with a sharp and bony face and long, jet-black hair. And she wore a dress that was also black, but the blackest black you could imagine. Oh, she was the kind of woman you'd meet in a, in a nightmare. It was broad daylight, and we were in my office. And still and all, this woman sent a chill... Up and down my spine. Uh, Tommy, may I present the Countess de Gennaro? Uh, how do you do, ma'am? Charmed. The, uh, Countess is an exorcist. A what? An exorcist. I am the one who banishes the evil spirit. Uh, look, what kind of joke is this, Dumont? Oh. Tom, this lady is a great artist. What is she here for? I am to exorcise the evil spirit from the house of Hargraves. Now, ma'am, there's no evil spirit in the house of Hargraves. There is a spirit. You have heard the spirit. Now, that's Dumont. You just get taken in by his mumbo-jumbo. Tommy, I'm desperate. Mumbo-jumbo? No more now, 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 what you've done, you've irritated her. You do not believe in spirits? Well, I, I... She I... must return to the grave. She will never know peace. That's right, Tommy. We're doing this for her own good. Well, what do you want with me? Somebody has got to go into the house with Countess de Gennaro. All right, that's you, Dumont. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I, I, I would create a, a spiritual climate of violence. Which the Countess couldn't overcome. Sure, and you're also scared out of your wits to walk into that house. Oh, that's a secondary consideration. Why does somebody have to go into the house with a Countess? A witness is required by astral law. All right, folks, go ahead. Find yourself a witness. I, uh, I respectfully decline the honor. Tommy. Tommy, you've got to do it. Everyone else in town turned me down. Now do it for Felicity. Felicity? Yes, let her spirit find peace. She can't keep wandering around that house forever. Do you want to be guilty of depriving Felicity of her rest and peace throughout all eternity? Yeah, but this exorcist business... Business? Business? He dares to call it business. It is a sacred profession. It's a fake. Is it? And do you know everything, young man? Can you swear that Felicity's ghost isn't in the house? Oh, come on, Tom. What have he got to lose? Oh, he has a great deal to lose. His arrogance. His intolerance. His ignorance. All right. 
All right, I'll go. I'll go. And here he goes again. Poor Tom. As you have already seen, he does get to run a great many errands for people. But this one coming up looks like an authentic first. Join us for dinner this evening, Tommy? No, thanks. I have work to do. What kind of work? Exorcising a ghost. (laughs) How's that for a conversation piece? Well, our exercise in exorcism is scheduled for Act Two, which is only a few moments away. Exorcising spirits is a practice that's as old as mankind. However, in practically all recorded cases, the spirits were evil and therefore deserved to be driven out. We have a slightly different problem here. We have a spirit that's kind and gentle, the ghost of a beautiful lady. But evidently that won't help her. Since she's a ghost, out she must go. All right, Madame Dejanara. When do we go to the house and start your little con game? Mr. Hargraves, I simply cannot tolerate the attacks of this, this, this boorish, ignorant, mouth. Now, Tommy, in the first place, she's a countess. In the second, it's an ancient and honorable profession. Yes, but since I'm to be a partner in this deal, all I want to know is when it starts. When the moon has risen and Venus has approached perihelion. All right, just give me the time. At the stroke of midnight... You and I shall stand in the geocentric ordained perimeter of the presence, and the ritual shall begin. Well, I tell you, it was easy enough to laugh at this dame. But the more she got herself involved in what she was doing, the more she started to... Oh, to get a scare you. Her black eyes began to send out sparks. She could feel fire in her voice. And before you knew it, she kind of began to believe it wasn't an act. But that there was something dark and mysterious and and scary about it. She closed her eyes and pressed her hands against her head as if her mind was on, on fire, trying to burn through her skull. Out. Out. I command you. Out. Go. Go! Sever the bones. Cut, crack, break. Go! Spirit, you who in life were Felicity Hargrave, I command you to leave. Within me is the soul of the high priest of the temple. I will now... Exorcise you. Leave. Go. Or I shall pronounce the ineffable, forbidden tetragrammaton. I shall thunder under the name of... No, Bob. Who, who, who is that? What's wrong? She fainted. I 
I somehow managed to get her outside. There was a rickety old rocking chair on the porch, and I sat her down on it. And I waited for her to come to. When she woke up, finally, it was obvious that a, a profound change had taken place within her. Oh. Oh. What hit me? I beg your pardon? The slicker out flicked. The flim-flammer out flim-flammed. Oh, you were right about me, pal. Back there in the office when you called it a con game. That's all it was, a racket. But go figure. There are ghosts. What are you saying? I'm saying, pal, that you just heard the real article. You heard a ghost. You know there's no such thing as a ghost. There ain't. What do you think's inside the house here? Now, look, Countess, did you know? All right, can that Countess label, pal. The square handles Molly McGuire from Union City, New Jersey. This ghost racket now, it's a gimmick. A hook to cast the rubes with. But you know something? I see now the rubes were right. Maybe the rubes were always right. Because there are ghosts. (laughs) And the laughs on the flickers. Like me. And so the time went by. And the house became more haunted than ever. And then one day, Dumont came in. Oh, he was considerably older now, and he looked the worse for wear, or uh, I should say, the worse for work. Because these days, he had to earn a living. And in many respects, he was still the same old Dumont. Tommy, Tommy, you, you've got to help me. I've got a chance. A one in a million, once in a lifetime chance to recoup. Yeah, yeah. I've been working. Tommy, you know I've been working for years now. Ever since Felicity left us. Well, whose fault was that, Dumont? Tom, I didn't come to, to open old wounds. But now there's a chance. Some folks from New York want to buy the house. All right, sell it. How? The house now has a national reputation. So what can I do about it? Something. Don't ask me what, but something. Do you in your heart honestly believe in ghosts? No. Why not? Because because it's impossible. Well, how do you account for the fact that people actually hear the ghosts when they're inside that house? You want, you want to know what folks hear in that house? They hear a loose board on the floor or a gap on the mortar of the chimney, a missing tile on the roof. Every house has creaks and moans and strains, and a fellow's imagination takes it from there. And you've got to find them. You've got to find that loose board, that missing mortar, that busted tile, whatever it is. You've got to find it. Give me a chance to live out the rest of my life comfortably. Now, please, Tommy. Well, sir, I went to work in that house. I looked her over from top to bottom. Old Colonel Nathaniel Hargraves, he sure knew how to build. Beams of solid oak, walls of thick and heavy plaster. After all these years, everything was still sound and true. I putted up the windows so no air could blow through. I made sure the shutters hung firm and steady. I oiled all the hardware and the doors. And when I was through, a tighter, sounder, more ship-shaped house simply didn't exist. And the coat of paint made it so fresh and clean and bright. And I even put in a telephone. Well, that was for psychological reasons. After all, a practical thing like a phone works against the very idea of a ghost, huh? 
Hello? Tommy. Oh, yes, Dumont. What is it? The prospective buyer. He's in town, waiting in his hotel room. Yes, Dumont. Tommy, you, uh, you did take care of the ghost, didn't you? I mean, the house, it's, uh, it's no longer haunted. I'll, uh, I'll see you in a little while, Dumont. Oh, bless you, Tommy. And just for that, I'm going to give you your full broker's commission. I looked around the house, that bright place, that cheerful, sunny place. How could anyone possibly believe it was haunted? It proved there's no such thing as a ghost. And then... Then I heard a... Felicity, it's me. It's Tommy. Tommy Tattersall. Talk to me. Felicity, don't you remember Tommy? Felicity. Not another word. She didn't speak another word. Oh, I ran through the house. I searched every room, every closet. I probed through nook and cranny, cellar, the attic. But there was nothing. Nothing. No one. I decided to try something else. I stood by the fireplace and very quietly I said, Felicity, it's me. It's Bobby, Felicity. It's your own true love, Bobby Lightfoot. Come back from the war. It's me. Bobby. Bobby? Bobby. Felicity, oh, my good Lord. It, 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 it's you. It's Felicity. You, you, you're alive. You're, you're not a ghost. Oh, Bobby. You've come back to me. You've come back. How, how did you? I, I had to stay here, Bobby. You'd never find me if I'd left. Oh, yes, but where did you... Don't you remember the room? The hidden room beside the chimney. We found it when we were children. Where they used to hide the runaway slaves. Remember? But, but, but everyone says it's a haunted house. Haunted? Oh, you know how sounds go in this place. I was crying. I was calling to you, Bobby. How did you live? Live? I didn't have to live, Bobby. I'm dead. Just as you were dead. I'm so happy, Bobby. I mean, I mean food. Oh, how funny how I still need food, even if I'm dead. On a dark night, you know, folks around here, no one ever locks a door. All I ever needed was a crust of bread, a swallow of milk. No one ever missed it. Well, Sadina, come on, no, let, me, let me take you. You mustn't. You must never take me anywhere. Bobby... Someone always wants to take the house away from me. Don't let them promise. You'll never let anyone take this house away from me. Never. Promise. I... I promise. And you'll come and you'll visit me every day. <laughs> you can't stay here until we're married. But I'll plan for a big wedding. Oh, yes. It will be a big wedding. The biggest this town ever saw. Yes, Felicity. And you won't let anyone ever take this house away from me. You won't. I won't. Yes, Mr. Hastings. 
Mr. Tattersall's office right now. We'll be by to pick you up. Why, here's Mr. Tattersall walking in right now. Hang up the phone, Dumont. Shouldn't take us more than five I minutes. Said, hang told. up the phone. Yes, sir. You just have your checkbook Dumont, ready. Hang up, will you? We'll see you right away. Oh, no. You will not see him out of Do you realize what a deal I just worked out for the house? You'll have to cut it off, Dumont. House and property for 350000 What do you mean, cut it off? Well, it's all contingent on the house not being haunted, right? Yes, yes, but, but that's what you weren't there to ascertain, to, to, to prove, to establish beyond the shadow of a doubt. Well, it's haunted, Dumont. It, 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 it's what? haunted. Oh, nonsense. There's no such thing Bring as your a buyer here. I guarantee he'll hear enough to run screaming out of the premises. No. No, Tommy, I... I can't work anymore. I, I, I just can't. I'm afraid you're going to have to. I've got to sell that house. I, I've got you to. You can't sell a haunted house, Dumont. Oh, no. And the home of Felicity Hargraves is haunted. Felicity died last year. A very, very old lady. She died in that house she loved. She died in Bobby Lightfoot's arms. And late that night, Bobby buried her in a secret place. Well, now that we have all that ghost story business out of the way... Now, let me show you the finest, the most nicely kept, the best constructed, the most attractive colonial period home in the entire USA. The Hargraves House. Oh, I vouch for each and every beam, board, and brick. And I'll even show you the secret chamber. Well, if our animal-oriented friends will forgive the expression... There are many ways to skin a cat, and just as many ways to sell a house. People who peddle large ticket items like automobiles and houses are known for their enthusiasm and optimism, as indeed they should be. They are also incurably romantic, and in many cases, they tell a story so convincingly, they actually believe it themselves. I'll be back shortly. have just heard a ghost story. But what is a ghost story? Indeed, what is a ghost? Mr. Ibsen says we are all ghosts. We are what we have inherited from our departed ancestors. We are all sorts of dead ideas and beliefs. Who knows what lies dormant in each of us? Who knows what we keep locked up in the dark of the soul? Our cast included Ian Martin, Marion Seldes, Joan Shea, and Leon Janney. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by CertainTeed Fiberglass Attic Insulation. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.